excited about where we are today and uh, and this uh, new series we're kicking off today uh, called The Nest. We've been talking about it for a little while now. And if you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus <clears throat> chapter 2. And uh, I want to share with you a couple of thoughts there that the Lord has in store for us. While you're turning there, I want to uh, tell you how we got here. Uh, we began to look at what God was doing in our hearts and lives as a church. And man, he just began to speak to me. And um, out of the book of Deuteronomy 32, um, in verse 11, and um, <clears throat> as we were thinking about this passage of scripture, uh, planning, I had been planning for this series for quite some time, praying over it and moving in this direction. And I'll, I'll be honest, uh, this was our background passage for the whole series. Um, however, it seems like God allowed this series to take on a whole new direction as we began to prepare for it and work through it. And here's, here's the background verse, and it says uh, in Deuteronomy thirty two eleven, As the eagle stirs up its nest, she hovers over its young, spreading out its wings and taking them up, carrying them on its wings. And so alone the Lord has led him, and that there was no foreign gods with him. Now, that verse right there has always mesmerized me in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 32 is um, the song of Moses. Uh, it's found in the book of Deuteronomy. Um, the word Deuteronomy in itself literally means to do over a second time. And basically what was happening is Moses was dealing with a generation. Moses had dealt with a generation who uh, lived in the wilderness, a generation that died in the wilderness, a generation that grew up in the wilderness, and a generation who knew nothing about the wilderness because they were young children. And, and you know, according to what God said, the 40 years that they would spend in that time and in that bondage and all that was happening. And so Moses, the whole book of Deuteronomy is a recap of what had happened in the life of Moses and how they had got to the edge of the promised land. And so in Deuteronomy 32, Moses shares his song. And it's the song of Moses. And it's talking about how God had allowed them and led them to be victorious in all that had happened in their lives. And then in Deuteronomy 32, 11, it says, And as an eagle stirs up her nest and hovers over her young, so the Lord has his way in your life. Now, let me just give you the background of this. Uh, it's very interesting that uh, on our social media, uh, we watched, or I never really watched, but the world watched for quite some time, this eagle that was waiting to have um, uh, hatched that egg on social media. They had a camera on it, had a countdown, a clock, all that, countdown to the eaglet was born. I was like, my goodness, I don't know how God pulled this thing off for all these years without social media helping him hatch eaglets, amen? But nevertheless, they had this camera and they real-time live feed on that eagle waiting to have that little eaglet. Anybody familiar with that? Well, energy, uh, you decided to uh, invest in this. And so they are the ones that climbed up there and positioned the camera on the eagle's nest. And while they were up there, they pulled a measurement of the eagle's nest. 
that eagle's nest, they said, would be about the size of a king-size bed. So that puts it in perspective for us, an eagle's nest. And so in this passage of Scripture, we're thinking about that, a nest, not, not in your little, uh, your little bush outside that you can hold in your hand, but a nest, it would be the size of a king-size bed. Are you with me? And in the middle of that nest, there's an egg. Now, that's probably a pretty significant egg when you think about the size of it showing up in that camera. And there it is in the middle of a bed. I mean, to be that, I mean, just picture a yard egg in the middle of your king size bed. You probably wouldn't even see it. You'd probably lay on it accidentally. But just the way that egg on the social media was portrayed, I mean, it's significant. And so Moses says, as the eagle stirreth up her nest. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because we're going to talk about it each week. But basically, once that little eaglet is, is, is grown, then all of a sudden, the mother stirs up that king-size bed and makes it uncomfortable, intentionally puts thorns and thistles in there so that the little eagle, the little eaglet, can't keep his little eaglet self in that nest forever, and it gets so uncomfortable that he begins to perch on the edge of the nest. And then when he gets on the edge of the nest, the mudger, mother nudges him out. And all of a sudden, here goes this eaglet. I mean, it's the most awful thing you've ever seen. He's never flown a day in his life. And he's plummeting towards a face plant on earth. And all of a sudden, while that little eagle is flailing out there trying to figure this thing out, the, the Bible says here the mother hovers over that eagle. Are you with me? And then all of a sudden, right before you hear splat, the mother sweeps down, picks that eaglet up, and takes him back to the nest. I don't know how many times they go through this. I guess it depends on whether it was a coordinated eagle or not. I don't know. But nevertheless, it's the process. And that mother hovers over that eaglet until right before it fails, and then it sweeps in and lifts him and brings him back to safety. And on one of those times, all of a sudden, that most awful-looking sight of this bird just plummeting towards the earth, somewhere along the way, he figures out, oh, these things are used to fly. And then right before he face plants, he lifts that thing back up, and now he's an eagle. Now, when you think about that, Deuteronomy says... 32 and 11, as the eagle stirreth up her nest, so the Lord has his way in our life. Now Moses understood this dynamic. And basically he was saying, we were living in Egypt and God stirred up our nest. We were living in Egypt and we were content in Egypt. And then things began to get hard in Egypt. But for 400 years, 400 years the children of Israel lived in Egypt in a nest of complacency. And basically God said, oh, I remember the covenant I made with Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac that I'm going to give you the promised land. And God began to stir up their nest to fulfill a promise that he made to them 400 years earlier. Now, if you think God hadn't answered your prayer on time, it took 400 years to make this happen. And Moses says, as an eagle stirreth up her nest, 
and hovereth over her own, her young. So the Lord does with us. My friends, today I believe that God intentionally stirs up our nest because if we did not, if he did not stir up our nest, we would settle for the status quo. We would settle for a life of complacency. We would settle for good. We would settle for whatever the world gave us and we would just live life. God did not create you just to live life haphazardly, but he committed, he created you to live life on purpose. This is not a prosperity gospel message, understand. It's that God designed you, God created you, God fastened you with a purpose, with a plan, and with an interesting dynamic that nobody else can live out. Your soul print. God has a soul print for you. And sometimes if God didn't stir up our nest, we would never be what he destined us to be. When you think about this today and begin to think about this, when, when God's design becomes more than we can bear. Think about Moses. God, stirred, God didn't stir up a nest. He built a nest called an ark. And that mother placed that little baby in that ark and sailed him off into crocodile-infested waters. He, she sailed him in the direction of danger. She sailed him in the direction of the enemy because it was what God had said. She was trusting God by faith. It took Moses 40 years living in Egypt, 40 years living in the desert. It took him 80 years to get to the place where he figured out, God's trying to stir up my nest. For us, if God doesn't answer in two weeks, we get bored with it. We think he don't love us and we think he's being mean to us and we move on and forget about it. Amen. So as we look at this, let's go back to the book of Exodus and I want to share a couple of thoughts here in what God is saying. You know this story. I'm going to read it for you, a few verses here. Moses was born, and then in verse 11 of Exodus chapter 2, it says, And now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown up, that he went out to his brethren, and he looked at their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew who was one of his brethren. So he looked this way. And he looked that way. And when he saw no one was looking, he killed the Egyptian. And he hid him in the sand. And he went out the second day. And behold, now there were two Hebrew men who were arguing and fighting with one another. And he said to one of them, why, who did the wrong? And they, he said, why are you striking your companion? In verse 14, then he said to him, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? And so Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. So as we look at this passage of scripture, there's a couple of things I want you to write down about this. Because I want to talk to you today about the nest of complication. The nest of complication. Because in our life, sometimes our nest gets complicated. Moses lived in a complicated nest. He was the only Hebrew boy his age. Every other Hebrew male child had been assassinated, had been killed by Pharaoh. The Bible says that Pharaoh was beginning to see how God was blessing 
the children of Israel and they were prospering and he began to be fearful that they would overpopulate them and then overpower them and then overthrow them. Maybe Pharaoh saw their abilities for them to be able to do all that they were doing and he began to be fearful because the favor of the Lord was on him. Now remember it had been 400 years and so the Bible says there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph and he began to do this. And so all of a sudden, as we looked in this passage of Scripture, we already talked about it, that Moses' mother said, my my baby's beautiful, my baby's got a plan, I'm not going to just give him up without a fight. And so she sailed him into Pharaoh's direction. Pharaoh's daughter took that baby out of the water, and she raised him, trained him in the ways of Egypt. But the only problem with that dynamic was, He was a Hebrew walking like an Egyptian. And in that dynamic, Moses really didn't understand the diversity and the complication of his life. Sure, he might have found favor with a daughter of Pharaoh. Sure, he might have found favor and his life may have been spared. Sure, he may have played in Pharaoh's courtyard. Sure, he may have ate at Pharaoh's table. Sure, he may have went to Pharaoh's school. But I am telling you, he had a life of complication. He had a life of complication. Because he was an outsider. Even though he had been brought in, he was an outsider. And in that outside dynamic, he just really didn't fit in. And the bad part is, he was the only... Who knows about the inner struggle that Moses really faced? Knowing, I mean, walking around and saying, Why am I the only Hebrew my age as a male? Didn't fit in in Egypt. And then he would look at the Hebrew people being afflicted, being tormented, living in a life of injustice, and saying, what should I do? And finally, one day, it went too far. Finally, one day, it was a dynamic where Moses said, enough is enough. It was a straw that broke the proverbial camel's back. That never happened to you. When that happens, you normally don't, you normally react in a way that you probably shouldn't instead of acting in a way that you had planned out. And so in this passage of scripture, here's what I want you to understand. That Moses identified with their injustice. Moses identified with what they were struggling with. He looked at them for 40 years. Moses was 40 years old when this happened. For 40 years. He played in Pharaoh's courtyard. He was in that dynamic. And in that dynamic, he watched the children of Israel work as slaves, building bricks and and going through this process and living a life of impression. For 40 years, he saw that injustice. For 40 years, he did not know what to do. And he struggled with it. And on that day, he said, I can't take it anymore. I am going to do something about it. And he went out there and he grabbed that Egyptian that was torturing the Hebrews. And he said, you know what? You're dead. (laughs) He killed him. He killed him. What injustices do you struggle with today? We all struggle with something. Never before in our lifetime, my lifetime, my lifetime, not maybe yours, 
But there is a struggle like I have never witnessed before. It seems that as an American people, we have lost our ability to reason. We have lost our ability to think. And we are operating as mindless robots. Based on what people are telling us. Based on how we feel. Based on what seems right for the moment. Man, social media has overtaken the world. And man, it is filled with social injustice. I mean, it doesn't matter which side you're on. It doesn't matter whether you're right, left, or in the middle. It doesn't matter who you are. It just seems that we are marching tirelessly in a direction without thinking. And you know what's crazy? Is the odd man out is the person that says, I'm going to think for myself. I'm going to get a word from God for myself. I I am going to do with this what God says. They're the odd people out. They're the minority. What is our struggles today? Moses had a struggle. For 40 years, he didn't do anything about it. And finally, on one day, it was too much. It was more than he could bear. And he began to get active. Matter of fact, he probably thought he did the right thing because the next day he came out and he tried to insert himself in it again. He saw two Hebrews arguing. And he's like, man, I just, I just saved you yesterday, basically. Why are you arguing with yourself today? Why are you consuming yourself? And they said, man, who, who made you the prince? Who made you the judge over us? That one statement right there lets you realize that Moses wasn't accepted in Egypt. And he wasn't accepted with his own people. He had lost, he had no favor. Almost like an illegitimate child. An illegitimate child whose no family wants him. It's a, a, a child that doesn't fit in in any dynamic. That's who Moses was. When we look at this passage of scripture, we see the identified with their injustice. A second thing is that he identified with their inner with his inner struggle. When you look at it, he began to say, "Man, I don't fit in. I'm tired of this. There's an inner struggle." And man, can you just see Moses in this Egyptian garb? Have you, you, you ever watched? Here's a good way for me to let you understand this. Anybody ever watch that movie Wild Hogs? Where these bunch of yuppies decide they're going to be bikers for the weekend. Boy, that was hilarious, wasn't it? Hilarious. They were wearing an armor that wasn't theirs and they looked ridiculous in it. I'll never forget one day, uh, I've always liked riding motorcycles. And they had this big motorcycle rally and I showed up. I borrowed a motorcycle, showed up and... uh, I was out there with all these bikers, and there I was. I had my polo shirt on and my little brown uh, uh, Doc Martin-type boots on, and I'm out there, and I remember, I remember Pastor Ralph's daughter says, you're going to have to get your, your pastor some biker gear if he's going to run with this crowd. And I'm like, why? I don't want to be who I'm not. Just because I want to ride a motorcycle, why do I have to wear that gear? That's not who I am. Why should I assume an identity that I'm not? 
Today we have so many people that are trying to put on all this other outside garment, trying to identify, trying to fit in, and they have this inner struggle going on, and they're just like Moses, and there Moses was. He was a Hebrew. He understood the Hebrew dynamic. His mother was the one who had faith that allowed Moses to live, and Moses instituted the Passover. She was the mother of the Passover, if you think about it, in that dynamic. He was a Hebrew boy, but he had on all this Egyptian garb thinking what am I doing who am I I'm wearing somebody else's armor I have this inner struggle and I don't know what to do with it and finally for 40 years he said I've got enough of it and he went out there and he began to be involved what is your greatest inner struggle today can I ask you a question are you really true to who you are and what God is speaking to you Or have you lost your ability to reason? Have you lost your ability to think for yourself? The third thing we see in this passage of Scripture is not only did he identify with his inner struggle and he identified with the injustice that was there, but he identified a way to help. Moses did nothing for 40 years and finally when he did something, well... I don't think it was really the right thing to do. And we know his motives weren't pure because the Bible says he looked one way and he looked the other to make sure nobody was looking. And then he attacked the man. You know what you're doing is not right when you hope nobody knows you're doing it. Can I say that again? You know what you're doing is not right when you hope nobody sees you doing it. It wasn't that Moses shouldn't have got in the game. It wasn't that Moses shouldn't have done nothing. But he's just like, i got to do something. i got to do something. i got to get involved in this. How do we respond when we see injustice? You may not take a club and begin to knock people over the head or attack people and kill them. But boy, I have seen some brutal assassinations in the social media world. I mean, it's like everybody now has their own platform and everybody's an expert. Everybody's an expert. Everybody wants to weigh in on something. Everybody wants to give their opinion. And many of them begin to just, we, they, people lose their credibility when they begin to bloviate all over social media and all over the place, just repeating things in a trance without having a clear word from God. How do you identify a way to help? Listen, we're in a mess in this world. And I'm going to tell you today that the solution will not come from Washington. You cannot legislate our way out of this situation that we're in as a nation. Where we are in this nation is we need men and women, boys and girls. We need millennials to rise up and say, we can make a difference. You know one of the greatest difference between the greatest generation, the silent generation, and the millennials? Is that the the silent generation said, we want to make a difference in our nation. We want our nation to be great. We want our nation to make a difference. And millennials, they really want to make a difference around the world. 
And the only problem is you can't make a difference around the world if you don't have a strong nation to do it from, if you don't have a strong base to do it from. And what God is looking for in this day and age is a remnant in the holy place that will rise up and say, you know what, I believe we can get a word from God. I believe we can do this thing God's way. Sometimes your nest gets complicated, and no, Moses is very complicated. He didn't fit in Egypt. He didn't fit in with the Hebrew people. Are you with me? He didn't fit. He didn't fit. And he was looking for a way to make a difference. And then he identified, they identified him. And next day, who made you a prince? Who made you a judge? Wow. You know what was sad about Moses? Was he was a man with no identity. No people. No family. No base. The only thing worse than a man with no identity is a man with a wrong identity. He thought he was going to identify with the Hebrews. And when he showed up to identify with him, they're like, who are you? Who made you think you a prince? Man, basically they're saying, we know your story. We know your story. We know your story. He began to lose his way. You know what happened to Moses in Deuteronomy? I mean, in Exodus chapter 2. For 40 years, he sat there in the nest of complacency. For 40 years, he sat there in the nest of Pharaoh, living in another, another man's nest. And God began to stir that thing up. You know why? Because Exodus chapter 2 says God heard the cry of his people. You know the story of Moses. You know the story of Moses where God went and got him and brought him. And he's the one that led the children of Israel out of bondage. You know that story. But in order for God to get Moses to the place where he needed Moses to be, you know what had to happen? God had to stir up some stuff in Moses. Don't be upset when you when there's a feeling or an emotional distress or an emotional uh, 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 you know an emotional uh, feeling that you can't really get your arms around when you're looking at injustice, when you're looking at struggle, when you're looking at this crazy identity crisis that we have in our nation today. Don't become upset with it. Don't take the matters in your own hands. Run to God and say, Lord, what are you doing? God, how can my life Make a difference. And if you're not doing that, sometimes God may just stir up your nest on purpose. You know what happened in this story? God nudged him out of the nest of complication. A nest where he had lost his identity. And somewhere between the edge of his king-sized nest In Egypt, there was Moses flailing. Man, flailing to the ground. Looking like he's going to face plant. 
Looks like he's going to die because Pharaoh's hot on his tail saying, I'm going to kill him. I read that verse. Pharaoh looked to kill him. But you know what happened? Now do you understand what Moses was saying in Deuteronomy 32, 11? As an eagle stirreth up her nest. Moses is looking back on this thing. His life. He's talking to a generation who didn't know anything about it. That's where we are today. We have a generation that we have raised up in our society who do, does not know anything about a biblical worldview. They do not know anything about the whole counsel of the word of God. We have raised up a generation who has a mosaic mindset of their theology. That a little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of Muslim, a little bit of Christianity, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And we just want to take what we like from all things and come up with this mosaic God that we're trying to serve. And they don't understand the fundamental principles of a Judeo-Biblical Christian worldview. And they have also identified with a country that we do not understand the heritage. Was, is our heritage in our country a mess? Is it littered with injustice? Yes. Is it littered with inequality? Yes. Is there things in the past of our nation that we're embarrassed of? Yes. But I am telling you, the biblical principle that this thing was founded on was God in the center of everything else. And if he is the head of all, then everything else will begin to come in place. If you don't believe me, look at what happened. Our wrongs began to be made right after God began to bring them into the place that he was calling them to be. You know what God is looking for today is what happened to Moses. It's complicated. We live in a complicated world. Wow. It's complicated. I think about when I was a teenager. Now trying to parent teenage daughters. Man, it's complicated. It's complicated. We're in a nest of complication. And maybe God is trying to nudge us out. So that he can get us to where he wants us to be. You know what happened? Right before Moses perished God sweeped down scooped him up said let me take you to Midian and he sat down by the well in Midian and he identified with a new place with a new people and God gave him favor Maybe you're going through a hard time of transition right now. Maybe you're in a nest of complication. Maybe it's not a complication of your own making. Maybe God's doing it. Maybe he's nudging you out. Maybe he's pushing you over the edge, getting you to the place where he's calling you to be. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 32, 11, as the eagle stirreth up her nest and hovers over her young, so the Lord. Has his way in our life. Wow. Wow. What a Savior. Maybe today God is speaking to you. Saying take your nest of complication. And trust me 
that I have stirred that thing up so much to where you'll get out of it, to where you can get to where I want you to be. God had an assignment from Moses from day one. And he had to get him to where he wanted him to be. I can look over the corridors of the history of my life. And I can see where my life was complicated. And looking back on it now, hindsight's twenty twenty. I can see that God was stirring up my nest. And hovering over me. Keeping me from failing. What do we walk away with today? Number one, seek to understand the injustice in this world. Seek to give it all to God, your inner struggle. Seek biblical solutions to the worldly problems when you're trying to find a way to help. Always be identified with what is right and not with what is wrong. And never lose your identity except to Christ. Except to Christ. You become all that Christ has predestined you to be. And maybe, just maybe, he has to stir up your nest to get it done. If your nest is stirred up and you don't understand why what once was comfortable is now so prickly. Understand that God is hovering over you. And he will not allow you to fail. Because just when you think it's over. He'll take you to a place called Midian. Let you sit down by a well. And give you a whole new perspective on life. 